0: The Big Footy Port LA podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team can
1: power. I love the power. 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 I love the Welcome power. Welcome to power. the Port Preview podcast for round six versus Brisbane. We played Saturday Twilight at the Gabba in Brisbane. Uh, I'm Portia, and joining me, as is regularly the case, is Maka. Maka, how are you today?
0: Very fine, thank you very much. I've got a podcast drink this evening, so I'm uh, pretty happy at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. look, I'm just catching up on that count, so we'll see how we go through the remainder of the podcast. What are you drinking? Um, A bit of vodka and uh, orange juice. Vodka and orange (laughs) juice, there you go. The simple things, eh? (laughs) Look, it's my go-to drink, quite frankly, and I've always got a bit of orange juice around the house, and I've always got a bit of vodka around the house, just quietly, so... (laughs) Nice! Yeah, it's a good way to go. All go. right. Well, look. I guess the hot topic for today, from a Port Adelaide perspective, is just, uh, Jasper Pittard saying in the media he wants to stay at Port. Mm. So that's 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 good, I guess. On you, Jasper. Yeah, yeah. That's it's... nice. Do we want yeah. him to stay at Port? Look, I think it's a little bit like Dan- when Daniel Pierce was up for free agency. In that if we lost him, we'd probably get decent compensation, yeah. and we can probably cover him. So if he wanted to go, if he got a big money offer or something from some other club and he went, oh, I'd be okay with that. But if he wants to stay, then that's cool too because he is still a very valuable player in what he does, but it he does is. mean we need to make other list adjustments to account for it, and that's okay. We probably need to do that anyway. So
0: It's a win-win situation, I think, because I think yeah. uh, he's probably the only player that's going to net us a first-round pick if he does go. Um, mm. I think we would get in the first round for uh, compensation. For free agency. Yeah, I'll
1: about that. But yeah. if
0: he stays, then good, because he is a very good player. So, win win, I
1: reckon. Yeah, it's it's really a. For me, it's not one of the decisions to stress over, that's for sure. Um, nah. Either way, it works out okay for us, so that's good. Ryan
0: Pillar yeah. has uh, dropped a bomb on uh, the Spreaky <gasps> Chat. What happened? Uh, he has said, um, Did you hear what Kane said on 5AA about Lindsay Thomas and that he believes oh, he will be at Port next year?
1: Oh, okay. Oh, that, we're talking about actual thing they said on 5 A. Sorry. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I, prefer the, I prefer the thing when we talk Did about how oh, it's st- yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fun. Um, Lindsay Thomas, what, why? why? What are we needing oh, for?
0: That would be... I don't know.
1: He's, I'm he's not the sure. Opposite. He's the opposite of the player type we should be targeting right now.
0: Well, I, I do agree with that, but I also think that he's... Probably a step up on Jake Need and Sam Gray. And
1: it's highly doubtful that Montfries
0: anyway. will be at the club next year either. So if we're going to play someone in a forward pocket, Thomas would be probably the best option of all of those players, I think. But do we actually want him or not is the I question.
1: Don't nah, 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 nah. I'm happy to
0: let that one go through to the keeper, to be honest.
1: Look, for me, I'm already playing Robbie Gray and Chad Wingard at small forwards. So, you know. I'm not really fussed about adding Lindsay Thomas to that. i It well, might,
0: might free them up to play a bit further upfield, but...
1: No, don't know. I'm I'm Not know. interested. Yeah. No interest unless delisted and drafting on last pick. Yeah,
0: definitely well, not. that's... Uh... Definitely
1: not. And definitely not a big free agent offer like we offered Monfries or Wyatt. Definitely nothing the No, like for
0: offering him 500 grand a year or something silly, then...
1: Oh, not yeah, even the money, no, the duration that. is what would kill us. I don't want to give him I don't want to give him three years, that's for sure. He's
0: twenty nine as well. If he was twenty five yeah. then you'd probably think about it, but
1: nah, not not, that. not nah. at the moment. No, nah, we've got more important things to address in our side, quite frankly. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, Ryan, why'd you do that? It was a nice start to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> Oh, that mic is working already. Okay, mm. so look, uh, we'll get into our, our current regular segment um, that is starting this year, which is what are they up to? Uh, Where we just have a quick look at what Richmond's done the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and not really the last <laughs> not there's zero. They're, sorry, they're one and four for the year. They had their win in round one against Gold Coast, which is kind of the biggest gimme, I suppose, that they're probably going to get this year. Mm. Um, but really, I guess we're probably looking at the most recent two losses. Uh, the first one, round four against Richmond. Uh, at the Gabba, Richmond won. Uh, it was a 52-point loss. Uh, most telling, I suppose, in some ways, was that Richmond kicked 34 scoring shots to 17. Uh, and really, it, was, it wasn't a stage in this game that Brisbane were really in it. Um, Richmond were an inaccurate side. They kicked, what, 17-17 for the match. Um, but they just had volume. They just had volume of possession. They played smart enough around the ground and really well did enough. I'm not convinced that Brisbane are great at handling a key forward that can take a mark, and around the ground they were just pretty. They were just better side all around. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you see any of that game maker? I didn't. No. So I can't talk about
0: that one, but I can certainly okay. talk about the next game. All
1: right. Well, we'll move on to that then. Um, round five, uh, this was, I suppose, a slightly controversial one because the uh, Brisbane actually were up for a bit. Uh, and that was the Western Bulldogs beating Brisbane. Um, Bulldogs kicked 17 goals, 20, 122, defeating Brisbane, 14 goals, 690. So, again, Brisbane, the more accurate side. Uh, the game was at Docklands, and it was a 32-point mm. loss. Uh, again, uh, the Bulldogs basically won on weight of um, scoring opportunities in some respects. Yep. Uh, 71 to 49 on inside 50s, uh, but they didn't win on rebound. Uh, Brisbane led the three quarters, uh, but then they kicked two, co- two points in the third quarter when the Dogs kicked 4-5, and the Dogs kicked eight goals, two to two goals, one in the last quarter. Yep. Uh, Mackina, you saw this game, what do you think? This was
0: a very extraordinary game, especially the first half, and I think it really shows mm. what we need to be careful of this week. Um, mm. They were a lot more efficient than the Dogs. Uh, I think at one stage in the second quarter, it was 12 goals, one to four goals, 12, so I think that tells a bit of a story in itself, but... Um, Pretty much all their goals started from the back half. Again, that's something we've got to be really careful of. I'm not sure if it was the dogs over committing forward um, or if they just got their zoning structures wrong, but as they were winning a lot more of the um, ball, they were were peppering Brisbane's um, inside 50 and the ball was just coming straight back out again and all Brisbane had to do was uh, kick it over the top and they had acres of space. Um, and almost all their goals were those quick transition goals from the back half. So we really need to make sure our defensive structure is on uh, and is pretty sound on the weekend. Otherwise, um, I can certainly see the same thing happen. Um, and once the Dogs really stopped mucking around with it, um, they got back on top and, and ended up uh, running away with the game in the last quarter. But uh, look, the Lions put in a really, really good um, effort. I thought Um, they're a lot more efficient than what the dogs were and it was kind of similar to what our game against GWS was as well where Mm. we just they they had more of the ball but we seemed to use it a bit better um, and had more sort of clean scoring opportunities and found ourselves in front obviously not by as much as what uh, Brisbane did Um, but yeah probably disappointing for them to lose that game in the end I guess.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think that um, the one game that we didn't officially watch, but that I sort of caught a bit of, was um, the Brisbane game against Essendon, and I think that Essendon—they're the only team that's had been more accurate in front of goal than the, uh, at Brisbane this year in their matches. Uh, even they, uh, Brisbane, yeah, well, Brisbane still lost, and they've lost the other ones. But importantly, what they did is they really controlled that movement of the ball through the centre of the ground. Um, and as you said, Brisbane have been really good on the counter attack. But if you deny them that opportunity by not turning it over needlessly then they're very exploitable. And like this, this Brisbane side that we're playing against this week, like Hawthorne when they were in top flight, this is exactly the team where Brisbane would end up sco- uh, goalless for the first half because yeah. they, would just pick, they would just pick their way through the Brisbane midfield and defence and kick goals constantly. Um, there'd, be no, there'd be no real turnovers because I, I don't think Brisbane's pressure in defence is all that great, but I think their midfield pressure is up. They're really running hard and they're playing for each other. Um, yeah. And that's kind of why they're fading in second half as well, because they're not used to doing that, <laughs> not, not after the last couple of seasons. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they sort of fade out in the second half again. You'd have to say that on the way to averages, how they played this year, they probably will. Yeah. Um, so it's really, for me, for Port Adelaide, I think it's just important for us to maintain control of the play in the first half and then, just, uh, then we can go a little bit, you know, um, running down the flanks and doing all the tricky stuff we like doing in the second half, but really yeah. just play basic controlling football in the first.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think that uh, the te- if you look at the teams that, that um, have done well, or sorry, that have done have had a little more trouble against Brisbane uh, than others, and they, they really are the teams that are strong on rebound football themselves. Um, I, I think that uh, Brisbane are doing a good job of making sure they keep players back a bit so that if you are moving forward uh, and you're not spreading extremely well as you move the ball forward from defence. I mean, I think that's where they are able to contest a bit better. So that's, again, where I think the marking through midfield is going to be really important for us um, yeah. this week. And I suppose any team wanting to beat Brisbane, particularly in Brisbane. Um, yeah, I don't know Have you've got any more thoughts on that matchup at all or that part I of it? I think
0: Brisbane, I'm seeing a lot of similarities to our 2012 season with Brisbane. Yeah, like, They're really coming from rock-bottom. They had a surprise close win in round one, which I, I guess would have been unexpected. I think Gold Coast would have started well on top favourites there, and uh, they got jumped. Mm-hmm. Then they've they've really had a series of competitive losses, where they were right in the game at three-quarter time before sort of falling away, and that sort of mirrors what we did in that first half of 2012, where we were really competitive against um, Collingwood, against uh, Essendon away, against Sydney at home, and it, and it just sort of fell to pieces um, after three-quarter time, and I see um, the same things happening with Brisbane here and you know I think they've got a pretty good squad going forward it's going to take time for them to come together um, I really like their tolls they've got a tall young group of Hipwood, Shackey, Andrews, Gardner, uh, Cutler they've got a lot of potential there throw in Ballender next year and that's just fine for the next 10 years really and Throwing guys like McCluggage and Berry and Witherden and, and Matheson. It's a pretty good young midfield group to build around as well. So I think Brisbane in maybe three or four years' time will start to hit the finals pretty regularly again, uh, so long as they can keep all those players.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the key forwards is really kind of uh, the, the selling point there. Like, the defenders, yeah, absolutely. But I think Shaki and Hipwood at this stage in their careers, is pretty nice, really. And they're going to develop nice, uh, pretty well. They, I think they're good contrast for each other. I think Hippard, obviously, has the better pace and Shaki's good night. Yeah. Um, and, uh, obviously, adding to the midfield like they did in last year's draft with McCluggage and Barry. Um, look, they're, neither of them are SPP, but they're both already doing what you kind of expect them to do, I reckon, particularly McLuggie. Uh, McCluggage is just a really good link man who will just... <clears throat> In just the right spot to help out a key play, and he's already doing that a bit, which is good. Um, he even got a goal last he's, week. So good
0: yeah, he's, he played really well against the Dogs. Um, yeah. He didn't get heaps of the ball, but uh, no. every time he touched it, he used it really, really well, and it generally ended up in a scoring shot as well. Berry's started probably a little bit uh, slower, and Cedric Cox, yeah. I think he got dropped this week as well. So, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, they'll be all right in a few years, but uh, we should be winning this one this week.
1: We should be winning this one. And if we are playing as well as we could be, we should be winning by a lot. Um, yep. And I guess we'll move on to what I think has made that less likely, and that's our selections. Um, <laughs> for me, uh, look, okay, we'll get through who they are first of all. So uh, the obvious ins are Hamish Hartlett and Jack Hopsch. Um The out, Travis spoke, understandable. And then Aidan Johnson's been dropped after his first game, which means we've basically taken out two midfielders and brought in two defenders. Yeah. Um, Hompshin's probably reasonable. Uh, they do have enough tall forwards that we do need to match up on them properly. Um, Hartlett, yeah, uh, I don't know, I don't know. We seem to be defence heavy. Uh, I guess hopefully it might be. We're mean always defence heavy.
0: Like, yeah, well, that's probably an issue. But I think I would hope we see Hartlett in a different sort of role this week. I guess the thing to note is that Brisbane have done basically the same thing. Like they've dropped. Uh, Cox and Bassanac and Dawson and they've brought in um, two defenders in Gardner and Cutler and uh, a tall forward in Michael Close as well. So they've made some interesting changes themselves.
1: Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess that kind of feels like it plays more to the way Brisbane's playing than it does to the way we're playing. Mm. Um, like I said, they're already, they're already doing pretty well on the counter-attack and we're kind of okay. Um, but the real place for us to get an edge in this game, I really would have thought it would have been in midfield for us. And so the fact that we're losing Boken and we're losing an outsidey type with Johnson just sort of really kills our versatility in that area. I would have thought. Um, well,
0: we're we'll bringing in Hartlett, who I reckon will play further up the ground. I don't think we'll see him on a back flank this week. I think we'll see him sort of wing half forward.
1: I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're more Fine. likely to see I think we're, I think we're more likely to see Jasper Pittard thrown forward than we are to see Hamish Hartlett thrown forward, which you know that could. a well, either possibly.
0: way, either way, we're not going to be playing an eight man defence against Brisbane, or at well, least
1: I he, hope not. I, that's that's it really for me. Like for me, I really hope that what this does is it means that we don't have to waste Jared Pollock and Carl on playing that quasi halfbacky role that they've played in a couple of previous weeks, and that yeah. they actually do play from wing and forward. Uh, and if they do that, then that'll help us enormously with our goal of controlling. Uh, disposal through the midfield and making sure we get marks so that they can't just hassle us constantly yep. Um. so hopefully that's what happens the worst case scenario is that we just overload our back line because they'll exploit that um, and I, I think that the manner of their key forwards oh, I don't know, maybe it'll cut out hip, hip would space if we do do something like that but then they've got the midfield goals. Like this is the other th- interesting thing about Brisbane is that their accuracy's been really high, but they've actually been kicking a lot of goals that aren't really necessarily high accuracy kicks as well. Like the the, the, the green's been going their way a bit, I kind of feel you now. Oh, snatch-
0: especially on the we- on the weekend they kicked yeah. uh, three or four absolute crackers, like from deep in pockets and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I yeah. just know 50, that we would kick zero stuff. four in the same situation. So I yeah, we got to look at is I've kicked sixty two goals thirty six for the year, so They're they're very accurate in front of the sticks.
1: They are, but it's the sort of accuracy that uh, runs out. (laughs) More ask (laughs) than
0: class. Well, not that
1: it's more ask than class, but it's very hard to maintain at that level uh, when you're kicking goals from such extreme angles and and unlikely opportunities. Um, In other words, more ask than class, basically. Yeah, yeah, all right, fine, (laughs) fine, fine, fine. (laughs) They're not, getting, they're not getting heaps from, you know, your standard sort of kick to a guy on a lead and then he has a nice kick from 30 metres out on, you know, nearly straight in front or something like that. It's a lot of... There is a bit of that, but it's mostly arsy ones. And there's a few Joe the Goose as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, this, this, look, if, it, it, it could be that heading the defenders is a master play this week. That could be what undoes them. Uh, they might have, lose the accuracy from those freak positions and we might not, we might be able to shut them down completely from getting the bread and butter ones that they need to actually get a score out. So... Maybe that'll happen. Um, for me, I think that what's probably going to happen is that uh, it's going to be a pretty ugly-ish game with a lot of back and forth between the 50 lines. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and the emergencies. Do you think any surprises are going to happen from the emergency list this week? Uh, we've got uh, Jesse Palmer, Aidan Johnson, and Brendan Archie named. Um, they are all midfielder-ish so, uh, and 40. Um, do you think there's something in that?
0: Well, you, given Hartlett's obviously made of paper and if it's a little bit wet, yeah. he's going to disintegrate out on the field in a warm-up, so um, I would harsh. hope that at least one of those emergencies will be travelling and has their kit on ready to go, um, just in case uh, Hamish does sort of uh, fall to pieces. Yeah, yeah, well,
1: I mean, that's probably a good idea. Um Of those, I don't know. I think i will probably lean towards Jesse Palmer just because he's got a bit of better marking ability. Um,
0: I think if we're going to make any change, I reckon it would be Arch. I'm not sure who's travelling. I haven't looked into that yet, but I reckon it would be Arch as opposed to the other two, Um, Mm -hmm. which might be harsh on Aidan Johnson. uh, But I think Archie, given his his recent form...
1: I hate to um, say it, Matt. Um, Craig Jones has just said on the Spreaker chat that Palmer and Johnson are not named for the Magpies, so they'll probably be the oh, okay. well there you not, go. Not, not Arch, so
0: I have no there idea what I'm talking about. So there really, it's
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, Mecca. Who really? Well, does. that's why.
0: Either, look, either Johnson or Palmer, I'd be happy for either of those to come in. I think because um, Johnson showed last week he can perform at that level. Um, yeah. And probably deserves another go. And Palmer, I'm really keen to see what he can do this year if he gets an opportunity and. You know, he's our uh, player sponsor on Big Footy as well, so any games he gets is uh, going to be a good thing.
1: Yeah, no, of the two, I think I probably would prefer Jesse Palmer. Um, uh, I think probably just for this match specifically. Next week, entirely different story, but uh, there we go. Yeah. I mean, the, right, other,
0: well, the other thing to note is I think Ebert's uh, wife is very heavily pregnant and could ew, uh, okay. could fall into labour at any moment, so there might be a late change there.
1: That's an interesting conundrum.
0: And that could be why we might be taking two players over.
1: Yeah, I guess that'd make a bit of sense. Uh, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I mean, I I guess we kind of hope that baby waits till Sunday.
0: (laughs) Or induce Um, tonight. That's what you need to do.
1: I suppose that's the safest, but yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll move on to just discussing the Lions and kind of how we match up on them a bit. Um, they've had a few changes. Uh, Darcy Gardner, who i already mentioned, uh, has come in, along with Tom Cutler and Michael Close. Yep. Uh, outs are Cedric Cox, Ryan Bastenac, and Liam Dawson. Um, I, remember, I think this time, last year when we played against the Lions, I had Rick on as the co-host, and I tried to get him to tell me who was a Police Academy member and who was a Brisbane Lion. Um, I can't kind of feel like those ins and outs are kind of playing into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, they've lost a little bit of run in Cox and Basanat. Um, Cox has looked a little out of sorts um, in his games to start with, but mm-hmm. uh T'Brien Gardner I think is like he's pretty key to their defence, I think, and Tom Cutler's a really underrated player. Michael Close, he can play up forward, can kick a couple of goals, I think. So okay. uh, we'll play that sort of third toll role.
1: Alright, well look we'll get into the individual matchups. Mm-hmm. Um Interesting is Stefan Martin because if you look at his just his hit outs mm. totals, you go, yeah, he's had a good year. But the reality is, he's not really impacting clearances with his, taps, with his tap. Um, it's not. It's not really. He doesn't seem to be changing the outcome of anything very much. Do, would you say that's a fair criticism?
0: Possibly. I'd, I'm not sure his um, hit out to advantage ratio is all that high. Um, no, he's a, a good player, and he's the type of player that we usually sort of struggle against. And um, he picked up Brownlow votes. In their last win against us, with 24 touches and 27 hit-outs, smacked him last year in clearances and was best on ground. But in the same game, Martin had, I think, 51 hit-outs or something crazy like that as well. But yeah. I think he's a pretty tough player to come up against, and as he's pretty mobile himself, it potentially takes away the advantage that Ryder might have over him. So it wouldn't surprise me this week to see Trengove spend more time in the ruck and Ryder some more time up forward.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I wouldn't mind having Ryder have a bit of time at forward for the reason I already given, which is that I want us taking marks. Um, but I kind of feel like if we did have Martin against Ryder all game and they came even close to even on hit-out numbers, we'd win. Um, like, we'd win basically in terms of effectiveness of the uh, the tap. So um, I can see it going either way. But, yeah, I wouldn't be against having Trengo go in and rough Martin up and then have Ryder sort of get in when he's uh, maybe a bit worn down. Yeah. <laughs>
0: could be the way to do right to playing forward for the first bit. Yeah, you done? We'll, things we'll there, the, Yeah. Um, <laughs> my son's a crash helmet just came crashing down <laughs> on top of the oh, microphone, so that's good.
1: Okay. Balancing
0: on a Lego block, so there you go. Um, I think the advantage that we will have is that um, I think we've got two players that can potentially do a very good job in the ruck, and they pretty much play a sole ruckman in Martin, so... Uh, if we do have Trengove that can sort of run into him with his knees every now and then, uh, that'd be a pretty good thing, I reckon.
1: All right. I Look, I totally agree. Um, all right, we'll move on to the midfield. Um, this is an area that, if it all clicks, they could actually be quite damaging. Their Very three best so. players are in midfield, and that's yep. Beams and Zorko and Rockcliffe. They've been in pretty good form this year. Yep. Um, the second-tier midfield is a bit... Well, I mean, there's two draftees playing in their second-tier midfield, which probably says a little bit about it. Um, I don't know. Like, I think the matchups in this area are important, but how important is it? How important are they as individuals, those top three? <clears throat> because they, you've got so many other contests in that midfield, you can win, I would have thought.
0: I think, look, when we aren't switched on. It's our midfield that really, really struggles, isn't it? Mm. Like, you think of the games that we really should have won over the last two years and why we didn't, and you always come back to, well, the midfield just didn't perform. So I think that's the concern is that if we go up to Brisbane thinking we're going to win and sort of taking the foot off the pedal like we've done in the past, like we did in 2015, like we've done against Carlton uh, the last couple of years as well, uh, then we might be in for a rude shock again. Um, so we really do need to be switched on, I think. Uh, Beams is obviously the one that's uh, their key player. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's picked up thirty-two and thirty against Port the last couple of times he's played against us. He's finally injury-free and uh, he's showing that form that made him such a wonderful player at Collingwood as well. And you know, he's averaging thirty touches, a goal, and, and four tackles a game. And he's really taken captaincy under his wing, I think. So he's the uh, he's the main one that we really need to stop. Um Rockliffe is just your, your big accumulator. He's tall and he can impact. And we know we've struggled against them in the past. Mm. He's averaging 31 touches and seven tackles a game. He's number one in the league in clearances, averaging over 10 a game. And look, he's back to the damaging player. He was a few years back as well. Um, so again, he's one that we really need to, to keep a really close eye on.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I totally agree with all of that. Um, and obviously two players were already briefly mentioned in uh, Jared Berry and Hugh McCluggage uh, are coming in as 2nd team midfielders and maybe they'll find their feet. Who knows? Uh, interesting for me is looking at a couple of team-wide stats and uh, seeing that Brisbane are the second lowest in contested possession in the league. Uh I don't know, what does that say? Does that say they're not putting on pressure enough? Because they seem to do all right on tackle count. Um, or is it just that they are fairly young, uh, especially getting to that second-team midfield, okay. and they the bodies to really contest as well as other teams?
0: What was that stat? The second worst the se- in...
1: second worst contested possession in the league, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, they do play a pretty outside game. Um, they do. And they are pretty young. Uh, so that stat doesn't really surprise me, I don't think.
1: Does that play into us? Because I think we're right near the, pretty close to the top, or at least fairly high ranking. Yeah,
0: it up. should. It certainly mm. should. Yeah.
1: Look, the,
0: the the advantage we'll get through the midfield is that we've got really eight or nine class players that can play through there. They've yeah. probably got about four. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So the, their second string midfielders, and I'm I'm talking about guys like, um, you know, Jared Berry, McCluggage, Ryan Lester, uh, Lewis Taylor, um, Ben Keys when he sort of goes through there, Clay Beams, Nick Robertson um they're not really on the same level as our sort of second tier sort of mids, are they so no if our first you know if if we're struggling struggling a little bit, we should be able to make a few changes to sort of uh change things up a little bit and try and get an advantage whereas if if they're struggling they're going to be in a world of hurt i think
1: yeah i mean I certainly are at depth within the twenty or within the eighteen is probably stronger than brisbane you're quite right. Um, I mean like you know we've sort of seen already like if, if we really need to we can throw Robbie Gray in midfield and yeah. if we don't or need Heartlet. to can... or, or Hartlett oh.
0: or Young you know like we've got a, Heartlet, Wingard yeah. as well you know like we've got Wingard, three oh, yeah. or four really class players that can sort of go through there and they don't have that sort of option at the moment
1: no absolutely um, all right. Well, look, I mean, I, I, we've already mentioned, though, this is the interesting thing. You're saying that they're playing outside and they are doing pretty well on the rebound. So you'd have to say that maybe that's just what they're focused on is that rebound possession, that midfield. I don't know.
0: Yeah, look, they just play counter-attack footy, basically. Mm. They try and um, work you under the ball, get it over the top. Daniel Rich is key in that, I think, uh, coming off half halfback. Uh, so if we can stop him, that's going to be a, a big plus. Um, and you sort of stop those kicks going over the top. Um, and you're going to stop a lot of their goals, I think.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of feel like if we have... Like, we're playing a lot of defenders, we've said that, and if that means that Polek and Amon are able to play more upfield, um, if we have Stefan Martin break-even, uh, so we break-even in Ruck, and we have the better-contested midfield, and we have a couple of good disposal guys as Linkman in Polek and Amon, like, we could really tear the arse out of Brisbane this week. realistically, um, which would be interesting and certainly very satisfying. (laughs) Mm,
0: For sure. Mm. It could well play out the same as what the Carlton game did. Yeah, If we we get the ball on the outside, we're going to have a lot of space uh, and a lot of time, I think, to use it effectively. Mm. And that's where Pollock Mm. and Amon are really going to come into their own and deliver those sort of high-quality balls inside 50 and hopefully we'll take a lot of marks inside 50 this week.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how um, Impie can... uh, goes this week because we did have a criticism of him earlier in the week in the review saying that he kind of does like bombing it a bit long and that seems like exactly the kind of play that Brisbane are very prepared to eat up and um rebound from so uh I think it'll be interesting to see how he actually does this week and how much game time he actually gets as well he might end up playing a defense maybe I don't know maybe um and look, we'll move on to forward line. Um, a couple of interesting stats. Uh, Brisbane have the second lowest number of inside fifties in the league, only above Essendon, and they are the worst in the league for taking marks inside fifty. Um, that's when you see them play; it's fairly understandable. They, when they do go forward, they do like to sort of kick into space and have one of their pacey guys run onto it. Hipwood did yeah. had a really good one last week. Um, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Real Corker uh, just completely outrunning his opponent, which is pretty good for a guy that's over two hundred centimeters. Um,
0: He's a monster, this guy. Like, he, he is he absolutely be, huge. Yeah. He looks yeah. like bloody um, looks like Rafael Nadal, but about, about two foot higher.
1: Um, he's stretched out.
0: Yeah, stretched out. Uh, the Gumby version of him, or something. I don't know, but he's um, <laughs> he's a massive talent. And yeah. the the thing that worries me about Hipwood is that I don't think we've got an actual matchup for him that's going to match him because he is a lightning quick. He reminds me so much of. 18-year-old Buddy, when um, when we played Hawthorn in a trial game just after uh, Buddy got drafted, and we we had no one to run with him. Our quickest defender, Matthew Bishop, couldn't keep up, and I thought, God, this kid's going to be an absolute star. And I feel the same way about Hipwood as well. Like someone that's 200 centimeters and can run like the wind like that is going to be a super hard matchup in the future. And you know, he's kicked nine goals this year. Um, he could easily get to All Australian level in the future. Uh, they do look to him a lot. Um, and if, if Brisbane win, he's going to be the one that's going to win it. He's going to be the one that might kick four or five goals.
1: Look, I mean, I kind of feel like that Brisbane approach to the four line is the reason why I do think probably Harlow will stay in defence because playing that sweeper role, like this is the team you do it against um, when yeah. they are kicking the sort of spaces and you can go and scoop it up. Um, what's interesting to me, and I haven't seen enough of Hipwood to really comment on this, so maybe you can help with that, is he looks very fast in a straight line. Does he have the agility to turn quickly? He does, yeah. I think he's okay. got good
0: agility. Uh, that's yeah. Concerning.
1: Yeah, yeah, all right. He's he's
0: not a big mark, like he's not a great mark. Um, so I don't think he's going to be the type of player that's going to take ten marks and kick five goals. He's going to probably take three marks and kick five goals, sort of thing. He's going to get goals from other avenues than just marking inside fifty. I think so. Um, that's something that we've got to be mindful of uh, because if he gets into space, he's going to be really hard to stop. And I'm not really sure what matchup sort of suits him I'm, I'm not sure if Cleary does uh, maybe we might go with someone like Homsch instead this week
1: look it's probably going to end up being a team matchup realistically mm. um, about cutting down his space and uh, when he starts running somewhere just running his way as much as possible
0: this is the game <laughs> where Dan Houston could take 15 marks
1: <laughs> look, <laughs> dropping, it, it absolutely dropping back is. in front sort of thing yeah. Look, it absolutely is, but that, uh, the only reason I doubt that is because that would require Brisbane having predictable means forward, and I think that's part of their edge is that they don't, and that's why they are like us in 2012, because they don't, uh, so it makes them just that little bit harder to match up on uh, when you're trying to play that kind of Houston role where you intercept uh, uh, a predictable ball coming in, and that again, that's why I probably think it might be a bit more of a Hartlett game than a Houston game if we're sort of choosing between them. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be interesting. Uh, any particular forwards that you're worried about apart from Hipwood? Well, Shaq probably the other one, but he's kind of struggled mm. for form a bit.
0: I don't think he's really shown what made him the number two pick a couple of years ago just yet, but um, that always gives up the opening for the potential old classic breakout game against Portrick, which uh, so many <laughs> key forwards have done over the years. Um, so that's something we've got to be mindful of. Um, but other than that, like, he's your traditional sort of mark kick uh, mm. tall forward. Um, he does have reasonable pace on the lead. He is a better mark than what Hipwood is. Um, and he's sort of playing more across sort of centre half forward at the moment, and and playing that sort of role. So uh, Taylor's probably another one who I don't really rate all that highly at all. But he's um, you know he's played some pretty good games against Port Adelaide in the past. I think he was um, uh, I think he might have even got Brownlow votes a couple of years ago when they beat us up there. He got twenty eight touches and a goal, I think, um, which is a concern. <laughs> But now that we've got DBJ in the side, I think he's the type of player that can really shut down Taylor and stop him from having any sort of influence at all on the
1: game. Look, I'd agree. And just on Josh Shackey, um, look, I think that part of what has made him maybe struggle a little bit at Brisbane is the fact that he is very much more a traditional key position forward. And like we already said, you know, when you're playing Calvin Ball, those are the hard. it's hard to be that player and play well because you're so used to... Well, you're built to be running on leads and then getting predictable kicks to your leads and things like that as opposed to just sort of mm-hmm. the ball coming in however it can. Yeah. Um, so it might be an interesting sort of thing where when Josh Shacky rises, it might be that Eric, Hipwood declines. Who knows? Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, Leicester's
0: probably the other one uh, that's yep. worth talking about because he'll probably do a defensive job on one of our players, either Pittard or Hartlett. I think he did a mm-hmm. defensive job on Johansson last week. And uh, Johansson got 26 touches or so, but Leicester did pick up uh, 14 and kick two goals himself, so he did hurt him the other way, especially in the first half. He played a really good game in the first half, so um, I would expect Leicester to sit on one of our sort of running backmen.
1: That's fair enough. Alright, we'll we'll move on to the actual offence, not just sort of the offensive tagger type. Um, and just look at them. Uh, look, I don't know a lot about this defence, and you seem to know a bit more, so I'm going to let like, you just run this bit of the show then. Okay, <laughs> tell, tell me why we should be worried about a- a- Andrews and Gardner, and uh, well, we know why we should be worried about Rich, but certainly Andrews and Gardner in particular, I think.
0: I'm not um, I'm not too concerned about any of them really on face value because they, they are giving away a lot of goals. Uh, yeah. A lot of inside 50 and a lot of definitely. goals. Yeah, scoring Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, scoring shots. Um, Andrews will go up against Dixon. He's 200 centimetres and and quite bulky, so he's uh, one of the best young key position defenders in the league, and he's pretty capable of taking guys like Dixon. Uh, Dixon did kick uh, five goals against him at Adelaide over last year, so he's got form against Mm -hmm. him at least, which is good. Um, Gardner, I reckon he'll probably end up playing on someone like Wingard, to be honest, Um, because he's got the height to sort of stop him in the air. He's got decent pace for a tall... Um, wouldn't surprise me if they try and sort of mismatch him there. McStay's the other one, which is um, their key backman, who will probably take West off, you would think. Um, uh, or he will go to sort of Dixon if that's not working with Andrews. But, um, yeah, he did a pretty good job up forward for a couple of years. I think Daniel McStay's now moved back um, and is sort of holding down centre-half back reasonably well. Uh, but the main one that I think we really need to be mindful of is Daniel Rich, as I yeah. said a bit earlier They looked for him coming out of the back line so much and he was the catalyst for a lot of their goals on the weekend and and the reason why they were um, six or seven goals up during that second quarter um, last week. So uh, I think we need to probably sit someone on him. Um, He is pretty poor under pressure and he does kick it straight to the opponent uh, a little bit when he's under pressure. He did that three times from kick-ins last week as well. So if you shut down his possession, we're going to cut out a lot of their run.
1: Look, for me, I kind of feel like Aaron Young's the matchup for Daniel Rich. Um, and you just mm. tell me, like you said, play accountable. Uh, and I think that he's got enough to his game and he's got enough focus. Is a, a more senior player anyway. Um, I reckon Sam Gray is the perfect uh, matchup
0: for Daniel Rich this week.
1: The reason I like Young, is he's got a little bit more size on him. Um, so I think that Daniel Rich sort of taking that easy mark will be a bit harder when he's opposed to Young than opposed to maybe Sam Gray. So even getting the ball to him to kick it out might be more challenging when he's got Young on him, I would have thought.
0: Uh, possibly, but the thing I like about Sam Gray playing on Rich this week is that um, Rich doesn't play defensive; right. uh, he's yeah. very much attack oriented. Um, so if Sam Gray can sort of find space inside fifty, he could have a day out this week. Sammy Gray.
1: Oh, look, I mean, I, I'm going to say I think Aaron Young can do the exact same thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, oh.
0: Like, he he easily could as well. But I I like Sammy Gray's defensive. Uh, abilities and ability to sort of run down tackles as opposed to
1: Aaron Young this week, I, think. Well, I mean, if, if I'm opposing Sam Gray to someone, I'm more likely to say go against Mays. I think you'll mm. get more, more opportunity to sort of get away from him and it won't be as damaging if he gets caught out.
0: Yeah, well, look, Mays is another one who's um, turned his career around going down back a bit. And they do look for him as well. If Rich is uh, mm-hmm. under the pump, they will look for Mays. So um, he's another one we've got to be mindful of a little bit.
1: Not as much, though.
0: But yeah. Not as much as Rich, no.
1: Yeah, all right. Um, look, I mean, I guess we can just move on to talking about the game in general uh, and starting with the coach. Um, Chris Fagan, what do you think of him so far?
0: Well, I think he's not got a hell of a lot of experience to work with at the moment. Um, so it's going to be a tough year it might be a, a tough couple of years for Chris Fagan but I think the light is at the end of the tunnel as I mentioned before you know they've got a really good spine to work with in the future they've got some really talented smalls that are coming into the team um, so they've got a good sort of you know, 11 or 12 players that they can sort of put in the bank and, and build their team around for the next sort of 5 or 6 years so in time I think um, it's going to be alright and, and as I said I've been really impressed with how Brisbane have played this so far this year. Like They've pl- performed a lot better than what I thought they would. Um, they've been in just about every single game at three-quarter time, except for the Richmond one, I think. Mm. Um, so they are, they are a lot more competitive, uh, which is a good thing for them. Um, so, yeah, uh, should we con- be concerned about him? I don't think so. Um, not at this stage. I don't think it's going to be any sort of coaching miracle that's going to win them the game this week.
1: No, look, there shouldn't be. Um, if, look, if we're anywhere close to the focus we showed in other weeks this year, including the losses, then we should win this one pretty easily. Mm. Uh, it's really just a matter of how easily we win it and what the margin end up, ends up being. Yeah. Um, and I guess, uh, look, at it, just quickly uh, dip into a little bit of an argy-bargy that's been going on in the speaker chat. Um, <laughs> Sam Graves uh, apparently... Fight, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, at Nick Nick Teal, he's got the up. He's protecting Sam Gray at the moment, pointing out he had 91% disposal, disposal efficiency last week, 21 possessions, 11 marks, and only 80% time on ground. Sam Gray shouldn't be dropped. And, of course, a few people saying, yeah, maybe drop Sam Gray. Um, I don't know. Sam Gray's is kind of being a bit Tom Logany at the moment, in that we need to have someone at a Santa level who is clearly better to step up into his role. And that's not happening right now, so he's in the yep. side. So.
0: There's, there's quite a few players which are sort of knocking on the door. They're just not getting the chance. I think um, I know I know Nicholas Till loves Sammy Gray, so I won't go too hard. But Sam Gray's probably been our <laughs> worst performing uh, forward so far this year. He's the worst performing forward in like tackles and goals and all that sort of stuff. And given that he is performing more of a sort of defensive minded forward role, um, I don't like the fact that he is I think 13th or 14th at the club in tackles at the moment. Um, and he's only averaging, I think, one tackle per game inside 50. So I think that's something that he really needs to look at and, and improve on.
1: Well, okay, if you do drop Sam Gray, um, who do you bring in for him? Oh, probably Aidan Johnson again, I think, or Jesse well, Palmer. See, neither of them are going to perform to the level that Sam Gray is currently or performing. Joe Attlee. Yeah, but he's not a Ford. Well, it doesn't matter.
0: Like, move Wingard back into Sam Gray's role. And put Joe Atley more on a forward flank slash midfield. You're not gonna,
1: you're not gonna tell Chad Wingo to play
0: be, be a defensive forward. Come on. No, but you're telling him to play <laughs> uh, in a forward pocket and kick more goals. And he certainly would. Look, Sam Gray, like last year, how often was Jake Need criticized for his performances? And I'm not a big Jake Need fan at all, but he is, but, but, he is performed a... better last year. Statistically, he performed better last year than what Sam Gray has performed this year.
1: Oh, what measure? Goals or statistics? Goals, or
0: tackles, tackles inside 50s. Uh, the only thing that Sam Gray's got
1: on him is disposals. That's it. Yeah, well, that's a pretty Score big Score involvements, all sorts. Mm. Well, look, I'm not super on the Sam Gray camp, but I, I don't think there's as much pressure below him as it could be argued would be ideal. But yeah. no, maybe that's why the Lindsay Thomas room is coming around. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, all right, and just moving on uh, to does either side have psychological advantage? I think it's a pretty easy one. Um, Pult, because we won last week, and not Brisbane, because they've lost the last four. Anything you've really got going for them is the fact that this game is at the Gabba, and they've already lost two at the Gabba this year, I think. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that says pretty much all of that. Well, the last.
0: No, don't worry.
1: What? I was going to more... say the
0: last time we played up there, we lost, but we didn't. We won by 90 no. points, so yeah, yeah, that's all right. <laughs>
1: all right, so look, you got any questions from the Big footy?
0: Uh, from the Big Footy, yes, we've got a few questions. let let me find them. Johnson's right. asked the question, uh what is the line for Ollie Wine's touches this week? Oh. I so what's the under over for uh for Ollie Wine's touches?
1: Twenty
0: two. Twenty two. I'm gonna say thirty point five. Mm. That's what I'm gonna say. Okay. He's also asked for Dixon goals.
1: Um
0: Two, yeah. Also, one point five. Uh, Sam Powell Pepper fendoffs. One. I say seven and a half. <laughs> okay. Uh, Commentator comparisons of Hipwood to Westhoff. Nil. I'm going to say nil as well with that one, but I'm going to add my own category of
1: comparisons of Hipwood to
0: Rafael Nadal, and I'm going to say twenty-one and a half.
1: Is is there a question about line about how many times a commentator will not know who the player is and get it wrong? Because I reckon that'll be about eight. Oh, only eight? Oh, that'll <laughs> be the a good line. game. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's not BT calling, so we've got a bit more chance. That's it.
0: There you go. Uh, Raman wants a more coriander talk. Uh, oh, there's nothing else to say, is there? Well, the question I've got is, what's your favourite thing with coriander in it?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think I mean the last time coriander questions came, I said I don't really notice it. It's just in things I like, so mm. yeah, couldn't even. I'd say
0: anything Thai for me really, like Thai yeah. noodle salad, bit of mint, bit of uh, bit of coriander goes really well. Crab cakes with coriander and chili, uh, awesome. oh yeah,
1: yeah, 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 no, that's and, fair enough. Uh, tacos
0: with coriander uh, is uh, extra special as well.
1: Oh, I don't think I had that. I mm. might have had. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Uh, power, power, power has asked, uh, "How do you prefer your local chippy hamburger buns?" Uh, he's given us two options here. First one is toasted, with visible char grilled marks and uh, flaky exterior, and option B is untoasted but soft and spongy.
1: Look, I've never had a good local chippy burger, so I don't. That's really my answer. I don't you obviously know. haven't Have
0: tried you? mine yet, so.
1: Well, clearly, clearly. <laughs>
0: All handmade. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Look, there is only one answer to that question, and that is toasted. The bun has to be toasted. There's no other option. It can't be untoasted because it just falls apart and disintegrates and goes mushy. So you've got to get a really good toast on that bun, both sides, and that way it it holds its shape, um, adds Mm -hmm. a little bit of texture to it it as well, and uh, stops it from getting muck all over your hands when you eat it.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Mm. Um. There's a question on Spreaker Chat, which I'll just quickly throw in. Just the hottest chilli you've ever eaten. The hottest
0: chilli I've ever eaten would be a habanero, I think. Yeah, have to admit that. And
1: uh,
0: that was pretty hot. That was pretty damn hot.
1: Yeah, I went to the um, Queen Victoria Market and there was a place talking about, oh, we've got really hot chilli sauces. And I had the hottest one, and it wasn't all that hot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So I don't know. I mean, I've had hoto just all the time. I have a euro. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the way to go. Um,
0: Haven't tried a ghost chili yet. That's meant to be the hottest one in the world, but
1: yeah, no, I haven't had that.
0: No. Mm. Uh, Canadian Nemo has asked, uh, "What's your favourite non two thousand and four Grand Final victory versus Brisbane?" Around two, any two, two
1: thousand two.
0: Yeah, yeah. you would, you would have to say that that's one of the best games I've ever been to I think just uh, with what was on the line and all that sort of stuff and uh, the way it finished with the ball sort of going to deep into Brisbane's inside 50 as the uh, as the siren ran uh, that was uh, that was a top game that was one of the best games of football you'll ever see. The other one was uh, and he mentions this as well was the 2003 win the year after. Okay. Um, at the Gabba, which we won by a point, I reckon, with uh, Josh Carr, when Josh Carr kicked four on Voss.
1: I'm, I'm going to go dig a little bit deeper, and I'm going to talk about, what, 1997 round five-ish, when uh, mm. we beat Brisbane at Football Paco. Park. Yeah. Paco got in the classic spoil at the last minute to win us the game. Um, and that was, that, that was when he became goal. a Port Adelaide legend. legend.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, we've had a lot of bloody good games against Brisbane, and... Yeah, Uh, There was a time there where Port versus Brisbane was probably the best uh, rivalry in the league.
1: Well, there was actually a time there, and this is statistically unlikely, there was actually a time there when we had played more games against Brisbane in the regular season and finals than we had against Adelaide, Mm. um, which says how often we were drawn to play them, particularly at the Gabba. I think we played with the Gabba like seven years in a row one time during their best period. Yeah, I think Um, so. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that's, that seems to happen a lot. We seem to get that against Sydney during their best period, and yeah, Geelong against their Geelong, best
1: period. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
0: Just chuck and port Adelaide. That's fine. They can play them again. <laughs> they won't complain.
1: Meet for the hounds. Yeah, yeah. but um, no, we played against Brisbane. At, I think it was at the end of two thousand four because we played them. I think three times that year, um, and that put them ahead of the Crows. <laughs> so that yep. was really unusual. <laughs> mm.
0: uh, our Gray Junior Junior wants a shout out for him and his whiteboard. Uh, so there you go I've mentioned it good job okay uh, has said uh, if I'm going to McStay in Bris Vegas, do I need to take plenty of McLuggage
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> only if you're staying at the MacArthur apartments I think
1: oh there you go
0: <laughs> there you go uh, Hammer8 has asked uh, what's the best fruit to have with vanilla ice cream and or plain Greek yogurt
1: passion fruit
0: yeah that was my choice yep, passion Yeah, passion fruit uh, strawberries and uh, yeah. vanilla ice cream are always good, uh, but passion fruit is king, I think.
1: I just like the intens- the intensity of passion fruit. Yeah. It, uh, it adds to um, the dairy.
0: Yeah, well, I agree. And the last one is uh, from Christoph who's asked uh, please explain the difference between Metwurst and salami and which is better.
1: I think Metwurst is smoked um, and salami is not. That's my understanding, I think. I'm not entirely certain.
0: I think oh. Metwurst is made using pork and only pork and salami can be made using either beef or pork or a combination oh, of both.
1: A combination, yeah. definitely uses a combination.
0: Yeah. I actually thought salami was smoked for a longer time than what Metwurst was. And I, I could be wrong about
1: that. I, I don't know. I know. All I know is that I like salami a bit better than
0: Metwurst. Yeah, I don't like Metwurst at all. Um, oh, okay. But I love salami. Salami
1: rules. Yeah, yeah. No, it's nice. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's it. All right, wow, that was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on Spreaker chat, that last one I had a bit of controversy. Um, Ryan Piller has said one's Italian and one's German, which yep. okay, fair enough. Uh, and Nick Teal has said that they're the same thing, which hmm. yeah, I, I guess you Probably could more. say that. I, I don't think it's they are. It's all cured though.
0: meat of some description, isn't it? So. For,
1: for me, Metworth is a bit more chunky for some reason. I don't know why. Like, it's got more more structure to it. Hmm. Has more depth. Yeah, Boldy yeah. and all that. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, look, um, I guess we'll get into the final wrap. Uh, yep. We've had a good little dissection of the game that we expect to see, and that may or may not be correct. We'll see. Mm. Um, Macca, who's your winning side? What's your margin? And who is your highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide?
0: This is an annoyingly tough game this week, I think. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be
1: a big margin.
0: So, I'm going to say yeah. Port by 13 points. Um, and I'm going to say Wingard will kick four goals.
1: I'm going to say Port by at least 30, um, and it could be a lot more than 30, but I'm going to say at least 30. Uh, I think that uh, highest high for Port, um, I'm going to just completely, completely off the wall, and I'm going to say Paddy Ryder. I reckon he's going to get a good bit of time at forward. Yep,
0: I like mm-hmm. that. I, I just hope get we go there pretty... with the right attitude and a winning attitude, and we're not going to take the foot off And we're going to go there to kick their ass.
1: Yeah, for me, I would like it if we concentrated on making sure that when we had a kick in the midfield, it went to someone who could take a mark and relieve pressure on it. Um, If we do that, then we'll win by heaps and heaps. So that's great. So hopefully we do that. Mm. Um, Fear factor, which port player should Brisbane be most concerned about?
0: Uh, Which port player? I'm going to say Trengove. Um because he can nullify Martin and did so last year, he got best on ground and three Brownlow votes in that first game at Adelaide Oval last year. I don't think they've got a true matchup for him up forward either. Uh, so I'm gonna be looking at Jackson to have a really big game this
1: week. For me it's gotta be Jared Pollack just because of the old club thing and if he gets on top, if he play, look if Jared Pollack plays the way he's played most of the time this year, um he'll break a lot of hearts in Brisbane <laughs> he'll blitz it he will absolutely
0: blitz it I don't think they've got a real um, match up for Pollock either to be honest But
1: well they don't because they're playing so loose themselves Then it might be someone get...
0: like Clay Beams doing a defensive job yeah. that's the only one that I can sort of see
1: But I think he's a player they definitely have to do a defensive job on because if they'd let him run loose like he's just going to tear them apart absolutely Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah I'm going with Pollock um, to flip the table which Brisbane player should Port be most concerned about
0: Beams got to be Beams. And beams
1: yeah. He averages
0: 28 touches and over a goal a game against us. He picked up, has picked up several Brownlow votes against us in the past. He's very dangerous. He's got inside skills. He's got outside skills. Uh, he kicks goals. If we shut him down, then our midfield should really get on top and, and blitz him, I think.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I can't think of a single player in the uh, in the field that uh, matches his potential output and potential damage done. So I have to agree on that. Uh, Dan yeah. Beams for sure. Um, quite achiever, for Port Adelaide, who is going to put in the game of the highest standard that may not wow the crowds.
0: I'm going to say Sam Gray because I reckon he. <laughs> I'm going to say he's going to do that defensive job on Daniel Rich, and he's not going to get the credit that he deserves for it.
1: Well, I'm going to say Aaron Young because he's going to do the defensive job <laughs> on Daniel Rich, and he's not going to get the credit he deserves. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. And are there any games you're looking forward to this week apart
0: from ours? There's quite a few. This is a good round of footy, I reckon. There's quite a few games which um, are going to be very, very interesting to watch and find out the out, the outcome of. Uh, the first one, GWS Wesson Bulldogs. That's obviously a cracker. And can GWS get a little bit of revenge for their uh, last minute prelim loss last year? Um, Hawthorne Saints should be a really good game. Uh, the Western Derby should be a really good game and uh, I guess you've got to give a token mention to the Crows versus Richmond as well because uh, both teams are undefeated and hopefully Richmond can do the job
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. The fact that it's Adelaide Oval I don't know, that kind of says Richmond will fade like they usually do Mm. Um,
0: Have you recovered yet from Melbourne's uh, disastrous loss against Richmond?
1: Yeah, of course I did Um, if they lose to Essen this week, though, I think they'll probably put a moment about where they probably deserve to be on the ladder. Um, yeah. Interesting to see how they go. I agree, the Western Derby I think will be quite an interesting one. Um, they've both been in kind of middling form, and you have to kind of think. I feel like Frio's probably got the stronger form going into it, so it'll be interesting to see how mm-hmm. that goes.
0: Yeah, like, I think um, the Eagles will definitely start favourites, but mm-hmm. uh, that could be one that I can definitely see Frio getting on top of them.
1: And for me, the other fascinating one, Geelong Collingwood, because this could be one of the games that sees Buckley b- has the boot up his ass. Oh, Geelong could win by 140 they, points. Yeah, really, absolutely. This could be one of those games, those career games. So, yeah. if you're having a quiet Sunday and you want to maybe see Nathan Buckley have the game cry that gets on him television, snaked, then uh, yeah, we well, not quite on television, but maybe you Napoli's know, smack bum face. Then uh, um, this is definitely a game worth watching. Yeah. <laughs> And what will happen if
0: Carlton beat uh, the Swans?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. Draft picks for Swans somehow, I guess. Mm. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, look, um, I don't have much else to say, and uh, we've made a pretty good time for this podcast. So I hope the people have found it enjoyable. Um, Ryan Pillars said here that he thinks that if Richmond lose this game, they'll come crashing down, and I certainly hope that's the case. In a lot of respects. Oh, um, they
0: will. They will. You reckon? You reckon that's your tip for the week? I think Richmond will lose by 10 goals against the Crows at home. Um, And that's going to be the end of Richmond for the year. That's it. They're done. They're done. They'll lose the next five or six games. And uh, see you later.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) Classic Richmond. Sounds classic. Classic
0: Richmond. That's
1: it. It's the Richmond you like to not support. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, I guess Rick is—I don't know—is Rick back for the Monday review or not? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Well, it might be Merrit. It might be Rick joining Macra on Monday. Uh, listen in, and it'll be hopefully a very interesting podcast. Uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about how we beat Brisbane. I don't know. Let's say 130 points to 30. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be good. I'd take that. All right. Yeah. yeah, I'd take that for sure. Mm. We'd have, have truly obscene percentage if that happened. Yeah. <laughs> truly <obscene. laughs> Very obscene. <laughs> All right. Well, look, a uh, little do for tonight. So thank you, everyone. And as always, calm the power. Carports. Carport. Big boomerang. Really. He was the hero a couple of years ago in Port Adelaide's last showdown win. It's pending! That's an old-time classic!